Welcome back to the Gary Wilson Podcast. I hope you watched our last episode as Joshua West and I were talking about the security of salvation, how important it is, how necessary, uh, how it keeps us from living in a fear and uncertainty. If you're truly born again, you don't want to live in that uncertainty. But it also convicts the sinners. If you're unconcerned, you think you prayed a prayer and, and you never really came to the, to, to the rock Christ Jesus, then there has to be the book of Hebrews we discussed in the last episode. And, uh, you know, it speaks so strongly in the book of Hebrews, these warning passages for those who are unconcerned, living in sin deliberately and not trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So uh, important subject. And if you didn't listen to our last episode, I want to encourage you. Uh, I hate for you to, to step off this one, but I think it'd be worth going back and getting some groundwork, uh, some of the things we believe are essentials, and we're going to build on that today. Hopefully, if we have enough time today, we're going to touch on several scriptures that would be scriptures that seem to be supporting the the the, the, the not having security of your salvation or the possibility of losing your salvation. We're going to look at those, some scriptures, and comment on those. And then if we have enough time, Joshua, what we'll do then is we'll look at the scriptures that support what we are advocating here, that there is a security for the believer in Christ Jesus, the finished work, the blood is sufficient, and we'll talk about several verses there. So uh, why, don't you, why don't you launch us into the text you want to, uh, us to first look at? We looked at Hebrews 6, and we looked at Hebrews 10. Where are we going to go now? Yeah, so I think we I think we mentioned Galatians five maybe if memory serves me correctly we may have we did mentioned mention it, yeah. Galatians five one through five but we didn't really stop there at all so I'm going to read Galatians chapter five uh, verses one through five uh, very first verse one is a very popular scripture it says for freedom Christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, then Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. And you are severed from Christ. You who, have, who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness." Now, the reason I read the the entire five verses is 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 because very often, and maybe not intentionally, but I've I have people who have, you know, used uh, Galatians five four is sort of a proof text. This idea that where it says, um, "You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace," and so it, it's this idea that maybe. You know that you are a Christian, and but now you've been severed from Christ. And uh, I honestly um, don't think that this scripture really has a, a a very firm footing to stand on, even how wherever you come from this. But it's one of the most popular ones, and I think just because of the language of being severed from Christ, almost makes it sound like that you were part of Christ. Right, mm -hmm. but that you have been it severed. Does, so yeah. I do understand, yeah. especially in the the English language. And I'm reading out of the ESV, um, and 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 the ESV is a very tries to be a very word for word translation, but also has dynamic equivalence in it. So sometimes, you know, certain words are used differently for the sake of the continuity of the sentence, and um, and so you know we have to try to just be conscientious of that. But but it is a good rendering of of the Greek, and so. Um, but the word severed there, I think we have to kind of understand, just like we talked about in in Hebrews, what is the context of Galatians? And really, if, if you want to boil it down, 
Um, you know, Galatians, uh, the Church of Galatia was a church where the gospel had been brought. Um, and coincidentally, um, after Paul had left the church, a group of false teachers came in who were preaching Judaism, preaching uh, circumcision, and you know it's Christ and yeah. and and so and what's kind of funny about this? I actually preached to Galatians a few years ago. What's interesting is a great majority of these false teachers weren't ethnic Jews. Um, history would tell us that many of them were proselytes who had been won over to to Judaism. Um, not that I don't know that that matters oh so much, but it's this idea that yes, yes, Christ, but also mm -hmm. circumcision. And I think the language, the reason I read verses one through five is because really it's talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. I think the whole context of these five verses is basically saying it's either or you're under the law, which if you're under the law, you're judged, you know, one sin, you've broken the whole law. Or you're in Christ, and 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 the grace of Christ is saving you. Um, the only problematic part is you are severed from Christ. Who would, who you who would be justified by the law? But I think we have to just we answer the question right there. You're severed from Christ if, in fact, you believe you are justified by the law. And I so I really feel like it's a um, it's a great uh, you know explanation of it the other problematic part for some people is at the end of it where it says you have fallen away from grace but i think the i think the language the handful of times in the bible when it uses the term fallen away i i really you know just like the word enlightened in hebrews chapter six there really isn't any sort of salvific or language of salvation, regeneration, justification, being in Christ. Mm -hmm. I think it's really more like to the church of Galatia. Those mm -hmm. of you who are falling away, it's really saying because you aren't rooted in Christ. In their yeah. case, they were rooted in the law, and he's basically giving them an either or. Yeah. Either you're justified and saved through Christ. You know, a famous Puritan preacher once said that all people will um, stand in judgment because of their sins the question is will will we stand behind christ right. or will we stand on our own and that's what the law really is is us standing on our own yeah. on our own any thoughts that you have about that passage yeah, of scripture know, Gary? I, I think it's brilliant you're bringing this out the um and it's another one of those passages where you know if, if we're honest with, our, with ourselves we're saying okay yeah it does sound like you know i think of that falling away from grace means i had grace and now i don't or uh, you know, I, I, I was justified, but now I'm severed. From the, so, so, it, but the problem you have to then you have to deal with the problem. Okay, is and we, you know, I wish we could have a ping pong table and go back and forth with the verses that that seem to support something different than this, because we we we, you know, every person who studies scriptures has to understand the scripture. We said this in the last episode cannot contradict itself, and so either. Either this is not what it seems to mean, falling away from grace, falling away from salvation, or the word, the scriptures we're about to study, imperishable seed, eternal, you know, the, the, the blood of Christ being an eternal purification, uh, once and for all finished work, that or then maybe that doesn't mean that. So one of them means, one of them doesn't mean exactly what we think it means to some degree. And it's not confusing. Right. But it's, but, but. They have to be brought together to, to make sense. So we have so, to understand all scripture in light of the whole of scripture. Obviously, as we're 
new in faith, you know, that's we have to jump in somewhere. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's important to be part of a biblical church and right. to be shepherded and discipled. But I yeah. said a little bit about this in the last segment. I won't cut you off for very long, but I, I think it's important to say when we when we talk about interpreting the Bible, um, a historical Christian, evangelical hermeneutic, even all through all Christianity ascribed to what is called the grammatical historical method. And that we mean that the Bible teaches what it means. Mm -hmm. Unless implied, it's not al allegoric. Right. Um, unless it's a, you know clearly a story or a parable or yeah. um, or some sort of apocalyptic you know picture. Most of the Bible is is the author is saying what he means, and especially in the epistles in the New Testament, we must remember four quick things. One is that that Scripture is interpreted by context. Mm -hmm. Scripture is interpreted by Scripture, and then the one that we're talking about here that the clear interprets the obscure mm -hmm. so if there's a 50 scriptures that are telling us something about the character of god and it seems like two scriptures are telling us something mm -hmm. in contradiction um we we probably ought to look at those and and, and look at those from different angles and here's why so good yeah. because because this we got to remember that biblical interpretation and hermeneutics and hermeneutics is just a a word for biblical interpretation but but we have to remember that that we're not we're, we're working from the presupposition that this is the word of God. This isn't apologetics. This right. is this is hermeneutics. We're we, we've already accepted whatever this book says is, is what God is saying to us. So let's do our very best to understand what God's saying. And so I think that we have to realize that if there is a, uh, you know, one off scripture, we, we probably ought to realize that we need to understand that in the context of the of the larger doctrines mm -hmm. the larger picture the larger character of god and so it's just important to remember that because otherwise we could really do great damage to god by taking one scripture here one scripture there and this is what many false teachers do they mm -hmm. they take a scripture completely out of context and a scripture completely out of context here and they build a doctrine off it now i'm not saying that people who have um, the opposite view on me are, are doing that. I'm just saying when we read the Bible, that's the way we should come to Absolutely. it. And we also need to lay, this is a hard one, but we got to, even though I, I'm fine with denominations and different expressions of the church, as believers, we can't come through tradition. You know, tradition's good. It's okay to come through a historical mm -hmm. tradition and shed light on things. But when we come to God's word, we have to try to know God from his word. And that's just a little, yeah. just a little insert there to help us think about the Bible the yeah. right way. I'm glad you said that because I think that'll help people do what we talked about at the end of last episode to be, to be the Berean as it talked about. They examine to see if what the, what the teachers were saying was true or not. And so what, I, what we're trying to say here is this scripture does seem to be taken on its face value could say okay you've fallen away from grace you've been severed but when you put it in all those categories you just talked about you you have to do it but but i want us to do it honestly i don't, I don't yep. want to do this like well i'm convinced that this can't be true so let me find some that's called eisegesis where you yes you come to scripture with a preconceived idea so so but i do have to wrestle with this okay this seems to say that to me but i have 15 other verses and I have the character and nature of God and we have the whole of the book the of whole, Galatians yeah and so yeah. I have all that so how can this one passage be taken so so I have to work I, I can't just say well it sure sounds like that so so to do a little bit of work it, it says you've been severed who would be justified so he's not saying you are justified he's saying there's some of you in the church that want to be justified 
Uh, you've heard the message of salvation, and you want to be in, in my in the margin of my Bible. Uh, the the Greek word there, justified, means to be counted righteous. So those of you who want to be counted righteous um, during the church, you're doing it by the law. You've fallen away from this very message we're preaching. We're preaching grace to you that you can be counted righteous by grace, and, and you've just fallen away from this whole thing. You're, you're just not engaged in it. You're not building your house on the rock. And so you've fallen away from grace. And then the next verse, I think, confirms it, brings us back to maybe what we'd say these other passages that talk about the imperishable uh, work of Jesus. Verse 5, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. So, so by the Spirit, we are doing this thing, who would be justified by law? Uh, you've fallen away. But those of you who are living in the Spirit of faith, you see your justification is by the Spirit, and, and, and the righteousness comes from Christ. And you've heard this too, Joshua, you know, it's like, so you look at, when you're looking at, at context, you look at the verse above it and beyond it, then you look at the whole chapter, then you look at the chapter before it and the chapter after it. So right in the same chapter, you know, the chapter in my Bible has a little headline called Christ has set us free, you know, <laughs> and so right there it gives a hint that the scholars that have worked on chapter five understand this is a passage, the passage is not called, you're going to fall away, it's right. called... It's called you, you've been set free, and whom the sun sets free is free, possibly. You know, no, it's free indeed. And so the same chapter, looking in context then, is uh, verse 24 of 5, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions. And the, the flesh and passions are, are not just, and, and some of them are listed above, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, anger, but, but also part of the flesh is is you know your own spiritual bootstrap I can, by works a workspace righteousness I can pull myself up and become pleasing to God in my own effort but he's saying here and so if you put that in context people who are severed from Christ and fallen away from the message of grace are those who belong to Christ because they've crucified that part of them Christ giving them the power to do so so that they could be uh, free from uh, trying to earn their own salvation by by works, so, so I think in context it's 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 clear. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. That's uh, you know. So so we it, have. Uh, it really is putting the yoke that the Book of Galatians is trying to remove. It really is putting that back on the idea of saying the uh, this one couple of little verses because of two words in it the idea of what what is the whole of this really teaching us it's teaching us that there's a, a a yoke of slavery which is all those who are in sin all who are under the law the law is the perfect character of god is a very man-centered uh, and the idea is if you really look at yourself enough you realize if you look at yourself in view of god there is no hope or help for you. God's perfect. You're not. You can't be. And so the freedom is that all who are in Christ are new creations. Mm -hmm. Or Romans 8, 1 would say, therefore, if any man is Christ, he is no longer under or subject to condemnation. These are big categories. And I, I think it's very, very, the reason this is important to me, it's very, very dangerous to center salvation and the gospel back on man rather than on the glorification, mm -hmm. magnification, sufficiency, power um, of Christ. And I think that the, we really, as much as we try to avoid 
these two places to be charitable. This is what we're really dealing with. And because here's a question that I would ask anyone just to honestly answer when it says if you go on sinning, right? Where where's the break in the category? If you're somehow if you're somehow your works are, you know, saving you and if it's if it's works based and not evidence based, when do we cross that threshold? And I think a lot of times, maybe unintentionally, it's been a sort of like a moving carrot. You know, you're not quite good enough, but if you keep trying hard to do better, um, you know, and it's and I hate to say this, but it really is the sort of M.O. of of uh, Roman Catholicism, of Mormonism, of the Jehovah's Witness, of every other workspace system. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. Try really hard to do good and maybe on the other side of eternity the scales will be in your favor. And and I think the the I think Galatians says it all. You can't have it both ways. Yeah. Either it has something to do with your works and then in that case you do have something to boast about. Yeah. The Christians who are able to hold on to it they they have something to boast about or it's evidence that god lives inside of you he's changing you he's conforming you and i'll I'll say one last thing so that we don't get stuck here i think and i may have said this in another podcast but i really think that the christian decisionalism of the last two or three hundred years in the west has highly contributed to this this idea that you can be saved apart from bearing fruit you got your fire insurance that's a lot of people who have a problem with this doctrine of you know believing that there's security in your salvation they have a, a this the people that would believe that you could recite a prayer to a God that hasn't changed you, isn't changing, you have no interest in following, but somehow you're saved and then you can live like the devil for the rest of your life. And and I think that's that's many people have a problem with that. But but no one I'm I don't believe in Christian decisionalism. I believe in that a true profession of faith produces a life of holiness. Yeah. Those who listen, you know, you want to know who loves God. Jesus tells us those who obey my commandments, but they're not obeying them so that they'll be saved. They're obeying them because they are saved. Amen. That's so good. Uh, you mentioned that. Be you want to go into another scripture? Let's do that. Just one last thing I'd say about. Galatians 5 here, the passage you brought up, first word in, Hebrew, in Galatians 5 is for or because. So if, 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 if a verse starts with the word because, it's like because of what? Right. Like, and, okay, so because of what? Not to interrupt you, but I always used to say this to my students in Teen Challenge. If it says there or for or therefore or because, you better go back before the therefore and see what the therefore is there therefore. for. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that too. Um, so so why, why is... Paul talking about the, these people that would be severed and uh, fall away um, be, because for freedom he set us free. Stand firm then. Don't don't be pulled away because some people in the church are being pulled away into these false teachings. But the, 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 the because is there or the therefore is therefore because of verse 31, I think. So brothers, we are not, and, and let me just precursor this. This is almost exact same language in Hebrews where it gives the warning passage and says, but we think we know better things of you. We know this is not who you are. We think we know you know the things of salvation, which are not trampling the blood of Christ, which is not, you know, just tasting and not really 
you know, eating and drinking of Christ. And so this is exactly, Paul is saying this just as clearly here in verse 31. So brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free. In other words, we are not of the children who try to be justified by the law, or we are not are those who want to be counted righteous by our works. He's saying there, you're not those kind of people, but I'm warning people within your congregation that are those kind of people that, that truly have not become children of the freedom. And, and we know in the in context of Galatians 4, it talks about Sarah and Hagar. That, Definitely. Uh, the promise of God, the promise, the promise there of God, deviating yeah. from that. Yeah. Um, it's talking about two distinct lines of people. Yeah. And, they were, um, and they were birth lines. They were, they, were, they were not like Sarah's kids are trying to Right. Be good, and and Hagar's kids are trying to be righteous, and they're not making it. It's right. It's they're, they're birthed into a family, and we are, and in our context, we're birthed into the family of God. That's exactly right. And that gives us our in. We're we're advocating for an internal inheritance that we receive by being birthed into the family of God. Definitely, and and you you said it, but and I'll say this last mm-hmm. statement about it. For me, the ultimate, the ultimate argument the the thing that i just could never get around that collapsed it for me was that being born of god Mm -hmm. um are we just having faith and working towards something and then if we if we did enough or if we lived good enough or if we help by the end of our life god comes in and says no and i don't want to get ahead but it says that we were sealed by the spirit of Mm -hmm. god for salvation can we be unsealed? Right. It says we were born of God. Can we be unborn? I just don't. I think the the New Testament is completely void yeah. of that kind of language. And the only language it has, in my humble opinion, is this idea of maybe mentally understanding Christ, but not being transformed mm-hmm. by it, falling away from the community of God or the expressions of God because you're never really of it. And and so for me, no matter what we do by trying to understand the fall away or the backslide language, right. um, there is no unborn language. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, that what you're talking about, uh, community believers falling away from the Going back, we didn't discuss it when we were talking about Hebrews 10, or is it 6? Yeah, 10, where he's talking about, just before he gives the warning passage, he says, don't neglect the gathering yourselves together, such as common as some of you. Right. And so, and of course, how do we use that? Pastors love that. Like, hey, make sure you're here at church next <laughs> Sunday. But in context, again, he's talking about to the Hebrew church, small church under persecution of of Rome and and the Jews. And he's saying it's going to be so easy for you to you don't want your stuff plundered and you don't want yourself persecuted. So it's going to be easy for you to stop being a part of the body of Christ. Yes. And when you do, you're, you know, that, that, that's, that there's, that's where the warning comes in. And so the, I, I think uh, the, uh, the geographical and historical cultural context really has a huge impact on this mm-hmm. because to be identified with the church it meant something. Yeah. So the falling away was, it's not like a pastor says, Hey, don't forsake the gathering. Right. You know, we're, we're doing life groups and be uh-huh. at church, you know, yeah. this Sunday. It's more like being identified with this group of people that were under great persecution. Yeah. And we have people within our ministry who are, you know, who work with world missions mm-hmm. all around the world and some very highly persecuted places yeah. that understand that being baptized into Christ yeah. in front of people is maybe the end of your your family relationships. Yeah. It may be your the end of you being able to participate in the local economy. Yeah. It, it may even be your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think 
it's harder for us to understand what they're saying there. Yeah. But it's talking about being identified, listen, not just with the local church, but with the body of Christ. Exactly. Exactly right. Um, let's do one, maybe two more. And I'm just checking the time here. Uh, let's take a look at Second Peter two twenty because that's okay. another one that 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 um, would be there. And, and I cannot wait to get into the to the more, we're kind of doing the cons and I can't wait to get into the pros because that's gonna gonna really awaken us to that. So uh, do you have that there? I do. Do you mind reading that? For if after they have escaped, excuse me, let me. I lost my place. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them if they had never known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. I'll just continue reading. Mm -hmm. yeah, it says, 20, what the 20, true 20, proverb 20, says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Yeah, and where my mind immediately goes to is is back to the same thing in the passage of Hebrews where we were discussing in the last episode where it's, it talked about the rain that falls on good soil, produces a good tree with good fruit. Where if it falls on the hard ground, it it produces thorns and thistles, and so here you 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 start off by saying, and again, an honest assessment is be said, okay, it sure sounds like somebody was saved and they got entangled again, and now they're worse than they were before. But where my mind goes with this is the last part of this, and the context is the dog returning to its own vomit, the so after washing herself returns to wallow and mire. This is speaking of somebody that's unchanged. No doubt. A dog is still a dog. The pig yep. is still a pig. This is not saying the dog turned into an angel and then went back to becoming a dog. Right. Uh, so, so this is <laughs> this is saying, this is this is saying that somebody was stayed unchanged, um, e even though they escaped some defilements. Right. They they, they stopped lusting and they stopped using drugs, whatever, and uh, they, then they had knowledge. Uh, they, they got some information about Christ. But they but they got entangled uh, back back into their to the dogway life. Right. Um, that that I, I don't think this says what some people might want it to say. No doubt. That, that well, if you if you think about the language being used here, of course, at the very end of it, it quotes a famous proverb that mm -hmm. you know that everyone knows, um, or many people in the church know. But if you get back up into the language in the first part of it, it almost sounds like Peter's talking about. Um, Jesus's parable of the sower. And and we, we see this parable where, you know, the seed being the word of God is cast on these different kinds of soil. Right. And the condition of the soil sort of determines what happens with it. And so, you know, we see this one soil where basically it says, um, you know, that it that the, the, the so seed went into the ground but it was choked out because of the entanglements of the life. Or there's the other seed that sprang up quickly, had an appearance mm -hmm. of something, but because it was rocky ground, the roots never grew and it, it was scorched by the sun. I, one thing about that parable that, that I've, I, I've always liked to call it the parable of the soil rather than the parable of the sower, because it's really not about the sower. It's about the, the condition of the soil. 
And I think what you were saying a second ago kind of lends to the same thing. You know, it doesn't say that the the pig became something different mm-hmm. or you could use this language or the sheep became or the goat became a sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this sort of like juxtaposition, light and dark, sheep and goat, wheat yeah. and tear. And so I think for us to understand salvation properly, we have to understand that that salvation is supernatural. It's not like a mostly good person trying to do better. It's yeah. like a new identity, a new being. This is what it means to be in the spirit That's and right. of the spirit of God. And so the reason he uses that language, you know, of of the sort of getting choked out, you know, that's why as preachers, we don't we don't really decide the condition of the soil. That's between someone and God. We just throw the word of God and we we sow it in every place we go. And it says, Paul himself would say, you listen, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. Um, God makes things grow. And so it comes back to me again. It's this different nature. It's a change of nature. Um, and so not to go on a wild goose chase, but to me, it just always comes back to spiritual regeneration Mm -hmm. and then the question is after god regenerates us does he hand the the keys back to us in some degree and says okay you're born again now now maintain your salvation or do good or try hard no it's those he calls he justifies and those he justifies he sanctifies and those he sanctifies he ultimately glorifies and so um yeah that the second peter one honestly for me has never been a really hard one because it uh, you know, I think it's it always comes back to evidence. You know, if you can be re-entangled in the, the the passions of this life, then maybe you didn't crucify the the passions and flesh, and you're not bearing the fruit of the spirit. Anyways, I digress. No, that's that's so good. Again, look, you know, we're looking at context. So the what's previous to that is these false teachers coming in with sensual, uh, they promise freedom, but they are slaves of corruption. And so, so again, you're false teachers speaking to false believers, right? Uh, that, and then eventually they just return to it. And well, then, well, then you ask the question: Well, then why, why is it worse for them? Well, because I think then they're, you know, so they sat under biblical teaching for a season. They fellowshiped with Christian believers. They heard the truth. They saw the miracles. They tasted. Uh, they were enlightened by certain things, and then they went back to their dog life, the pig life. And why, why would Peter say it's worse for you? Well, because then you've hardened your heart. Right. You become calloused in spirit. You you were exposed to such truth. The, the rain fell on the ground a lot, uh, but it was hard and ground. If you think, just like the, the Hebrews 10 passage and the Hebrews 6 passage, if you think that you have come in contact with the saving knowledge of Christ, um, you I tried that, but it didn't work, work for me. Yeah. doesn't mean that, you know, God, but if you really believe that yeah. you've rejected Christ because you know it, it didn't work you've heard that did, a lot you probably heard that a lot of Teen Challenge don't you like oh I tried you know, I tried I, the I asked God Jesus thing. to help me yeah. get, get set free yeah but but, but it, the it truth is they're in a worse state because if yeah. they think that they if yeah. they think that they tried Christ and it didn't work for them quote unquote um, they are in a worse situation yeah. it is a worse place to be yeah I used to say this all the time and it's not don't you know, try to put theological pegs in it. But I, I used to say, you know, other than the sinner saved by grace, there's two kinds of sinners. There are those that think they're too bad for God to want them. And there are those that think that they're too good to really need them all that much. But the truth is, um, both of them are wrong, right? Mm-hmm. 
but they're both doing the same thing. They're both trampling or disregarding mm-hmm. or ignoring the sufficiency of Christ. Right. The one person don't think that they need the sufficiency of Christ, and the other person thinks, I'm too bad for God to save me. Both things are rejecting the, the power of the atoning work of the blood of Jesus. Right. And so if you truly do reject that over the course of your life, um, there really is no yeah. hope for you powerful all right man i'm gonna rub my hands together because i'm getting excited now because we're gonna go to we've been almost sort of like having to defend uh, against some passages that have seemingly issues that we're contending with and now we get to go like turn the corner definitely and and i'm gonna start with my favorite okay and i want you to go to your favorite that and and like i said we're switching gears from that to the things that we believe are 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 a, a, a better um, a better sense of who we are in Christ and what our expectation can be for his, the, the finished work for, of Jesus. The, wh- what does the seed of God do in our life? And so I'm going to start with Ephesians uh, chapter 2 and verse 8. Real simple passage of Scripture, but I think a deeply profound one. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. And where a lot of times this was described as two on one side and one on the other, for by grace you have been saved. So that's God's work. Grace and salvation is God's work. Now, but you're, you're, what you add to this is faith. But here it says in verse 8, there's a period after that. So there's three things on one side of the period. Those three things are grace, salvation, and faith. And then it says what these three things, where they come from. And that's the second sentence after the period. And these are not of your own doing. So not one. It doesn't say grace and salvation are not of your own doing, but faith is of your own doing. Right. It says all three of are not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result. Verse nine of works, so that no one may boast. And and a lot of people tell you, well, like, well, I don't boast in my faith, but but you kind of are if you say Jesus provided grace and salvation, and I was somehow. And again, people wouldn't say this, but they really have to end there. I, somehow I was just a little bit more aware, alert, or maybe I had more guilt and conviction. Right. But there was something about me that was different than my neighbor down the street who didn't get saved or receive salvation. And so so there is some kind of boast in this. And so uh, you know, I strongly believe if, if we're talking about this is something that he's done, then, then it that then and I believe it's a complete work. It's a finished work. He gave us the salvation. He gave us the grace and he gives us the faith. All three of those things are perseverance things, the, the perseverance of the saints. How do saints persevere? Right. Through faith, believing in the grace that salvation is a work of God for me. And he who began the good work in me is faithful to complete it. This is the good work that he began. So that's my favorite Yeah, because uh, it's the simplest. And I, I could peg my whole faith and, and doctrine on this to say that's sufficient for me to say that I need to wrestle somewhat with Hebrews 6 and wrestle with Hebrews 10 or wrestle with Second Peter uh, so so that this core value of the gospel can be held true and clear. I don't know if you want to comment on Ephesians 2 or if you want to just go right to your favorite. I, I just say one thing about it, you know, so that no man can boast in any of those things. And then when Paul makes his boast later, what does he say? I boast in Christ, you know, if I, and so realistically, the only, the only boast we have is to magnify, glorify Christ to accomplish salvation for us. And so I think, I mean, you could start, if you did just a really 
strong deep dive into Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 10 it all lays lays the whole thing out we were dead in sin and trespass we were children of wrath by nature and then it says but because we tried hard to turn direction no it says but god being you know being merciful i think that's the place where we that but that shifting gears from that world is that that god intervened and god sent his son and god secured salvation something i i say anytime i preach the gospel which is most times i preach is is that salvation is of the lord and if you look in the old testament salvation is of the lord and the types Mm -hmm. and shadows uh, with Israel and in the New Testament, salvation Absolutely. is of the Lord. Yeah, it's right in the text here, uh, chapter two, verse five of of Ephesians. Even when you were dead, in our, when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together. And so these 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 three things in in the verses we just read in eight, grace was made by Him, salvation was made by Him, and faith was made by Him. Yeah. Now just just a. To, to so I don't so we don't confuse people. You and I have talked about this, and you helped inspire me to understand this better. There's two types of faith. Uh, the faith, faith for I uh, uh, my son is uh, is sick. I'm, I have faith that God's going to touch him or heal him. I I need a new job. I have faith. those are those faith for, which is I think is something that that not that we boast and we have it ourselves, but God right. is asking us to. Right. You, you put faith in me. Do you do you trust me? The woman who knocks at the door a whole lot, you know. Uh, then there's the other kind of faith, which is this type of faith. It's the gift of God. Salvific he made faith. us saving you know, faith. Saving faith is is action, and that's not of our. That that's the faith in I I have you know, and that's content for the faith or that's have right. you know the the faith of your fathers. It's it's something that's not just, and I think in America today, and I've we've talked about this before. I don't want to harp on this too long, but America reads most of the and the churches even teach. Mostly through the lens of believing for, right, uh, and they take passages that are meant to be believing in, and they take them as believing for. So Hebrews eleven is a whole th- thing to a lot of churches as, um, you know, just believe. It's believe impossible for, to please God without faith. So, so pray faith for, for your, your job and pray for your wife. And, yeah, and I think I think one thing I'd say about that is just this, and then we'll move on. Yeah, quickly, but. The salvific faith that our our faith is rooted in is in the finished work of Christ. That is buttoned up, period after, closed down. And because of God's word, this is the thesis from a doctoral dissertation. Faith is knowing we stand justified before God on the basis of Christ and that God will keep his promises to us. Now, so salvation is is done, finished, accomplished by God. And because of the promises of God, and even because of the character of God, we ask for. Mm-hmm. And so if if I don't get what I'm asking for because God knows better than me, because yeah. he's working something out of me, because he's got a larger, better plan mm-hmm. for me, my faith in isn't shaken. Right. And most people's faith who is shaken or all people's faith who is shaken, it's because they're not firm. Their house isn't built on the rock. Yeah. It's built in what Christ can do for them. For, we'll, yeah, we'll, so we'll move on yeah, from good. that. But What's your favorite? Uh, so, do, you have, do you have a favorite? I don't know. Yeah, do I, I do have what, a favorite. And okay. I think it's because it encompasses where, where a lot going? of different things. We'll, we'll be in John 10. And you know the yeah. scripture, John 10, 28 and 29. So I'm trying to read my Bible from far away. I'm like, I'm just going to pull it over to <laughs> yeah, here I, where, I I can, do that too. where I can read it. John 10. Yeah, John 10, starting in verse 28. 28. Yeah. Well, that's my, 
28 through 29 is that sort of text, but let's just read starting at 25. Listen, it says, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe that the works I do in my Father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand, and I and the Father are one. I mean, the language of surety, mm -hmm. the language of salvation, the language of regeneration, the language of being one with, I mean, here's something that we haven't even talked about at all, but in John 15, Jesus takes this to another level. He says, my desire, Father, is that like I am in you yeah. and you in, are in me, that they would be in me. Okay. This, I mean, to me, this is a very strong language Absolutely. about about our union with Christ. But of course, the, the, the thing that just brings me so much happiness is Christ himself the Christ who, who has mastery over death, hell, and the grave, the Christ who has overcome the world, like John 16, 33 says, the Christ who promised that, that he would never leave us, forsake us, that he's coming back to get us, this same Christ said, nothing will be able to snatch them from my hand. Now, you could have a very small view of the Bible and say he was talking about his disciples other than the one that he said would depart from him. Mm -hmm. But another great thing about scripture is in, in the high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus makes this statement again, but then he says, not only these ones here, mm. but all who believe their testimony about me. Yeah. And, and brother, <laughs> just like you, it's the testimony, the gospel testimony of the apostles mm -hmm. is, is what I believe. Yeah. And so I am grafted into that. I am That's part right. of that. And so the surety of me is just that nothing will be able to snatch me from his hand. And I, I just don't know any way around that. And I don't know why you would want to get around that. It yeah. makes me find my my surety in Christ. One thing I've learned about about this is a lot of times we superimpose our failures, our fears, our traditions on the promises that Christ has given us in his word. And so I think a lot of times when we start thinking that we're we, 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 instead of looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, we drop our viewpoint down to the mirror. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, no matter how holy of a life you think you live, if your eyes are fixed on you and you're an honest person, <laughs> yeah, you'll see stuff. I think your dad would have said the same thing. I think mm -hmm. Billy Graham would have said the same thing. Even the people we think are some of these great, great men of God, um, their surety was not in their performance or their ability or their accomplishments. It was in Christ. Yeah, yeah, and that's and if the if their assurance became from what they were capable of doing, that that would just there would be a diminishment of the glory of Christ and His work. But in uh, you know, if you if you take the Ephesians passage I just read and marry it to and combine it with this one, you know, that, that sort of, you know, grace, salvation, and faith is given to you. You, you didn't work for it. Then, then you're saying here, um, um, but you do not believe because you are not part of, you're not a part of the Ephesians uh, 2, 8 of saying salvation is given to you, faith is given to you, grace is given to you. He's saying you're not a part of that. 
because if you, but those who are part of that are, are my sheep, you know, uh, and and I know them and they follow me and, and I give them eternal life. I, you probably could, not that you'd even want to do this, you probably could, if you have, you, I think you had mentioned something in the last episode, it's like, well, no one can snatch them out of my hand, but I can, you know, it's almost like he's going to protect the devil or the world or the flesh or, you know, evil enemies come and try to pull you out of my hand. I'm not going to let them. But if you want to be removed, if you want to give yourself over to sin, then you can. So I, I've heard that argument before as well. But even if you take the words snatch, which is used twice here, out of it, uh, I'll, I will give them eternal life and they will never perish. Yeah. Okay. So you don't even need to, that almost that pic, word picture of nobody being pulled out of the hand. That, that's the word picture for the thing he's trying to prove to us. You're never going to perish. And yep. to me, that is part of the glory of the gospel is not come into faith and, um, you know, I'm not sure if you'll stay there or not, but as you're saying, if you if you come into true faith, this gift of God, it, it, this is so good. And, and part of it is because he's going to keep you there. Yep. He's going to, you're, you're not going to, you're not, you're not going to, to perish. You're going to have everlasting life. I mean, this whole argument could be thrown away just by just saying, what does everlasting life mean? No doubt. Eternal life. Eternal it, life. Etern- eternal unless, never says any of that. It's eternal until you, you Do know. Do X, Y, Z. Yeah. Let me throw two scriptures. Yeah. I won't even comment mm-hmm. on them. That just build the case about the regeneration and the being born into God um, argument. John three eighteen, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth is not condemned. But he that doesn't believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son. Yeah. John three thirty six, He that believeth on the son of God have everlasting or eternal life. And he that believeth not the son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Um, one more, Luke twenty thirty six, and they can no longer die, for they are like angels; they are <laughs> God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. I mean, to me, it's just it's so never. There's, and I, I just the conclusion I have to come up with is, I, you know, we can backfill, front fill, but the evidence based understanding good tree bears fruit here's the fruit of the spirit here's the evidence you are in christ one of the evidences i believe are pervert persevering to the end because it's connected into eternal life Mm -hmm. if you didn't have eternal life if you if you if you turn your back on christ and you know die apart from him you never had eternal life and and so not to belabor the point but that's just such a a a robust foundation and you can you could flip the bible open the new testament and stumble into 10 more of those scriptures in the gospels yeah i'm glad you brought those up just as we're moving fastly quickly through some of these things because they they, they're just like arrows that hit our heart um so uh, ephesians 1 13 in in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of salvation and believed him were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Wow. So, so yeah. How, how, how does he have praise to his glory if, if it's a partial salvation or if it's a temporary salvation, the, the glory of his, that he, that he not only saves, but then you're sealed and the seal is with the promise yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews talks about the oath. You can't lie. Two, two things come into the, co- the new covenant 
uh, is that. And so these are these are pretty powerful. In the book of Ezekiel, it actually, in the foreshadowing language, talks to the the children of Israel, right? And you know, he says that he had sealed them for to be his covenant people, and that he didn't come back to help them necessarily because they deserved it. Right. He, he because it says he was the guarantor of a promise yeah. to them. And so without flipping back there into Ezekiel 33 through 37, um, those chapters, but it's the sort of same sort of language, like God has made a guarantee that those who are truly sealed with the spirit, that they are, it's a guarantee, his, his seal, his approval, his promises. That's right. And so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. here's another one. First Peter one, five. Though who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Mm-hmm. We're shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation, uh, until that final day. Wow. I love that. One more. Uh, Hebrews that has all these warning passages that sometimes would cause people to speak about uh, lesser confidence and security. Uh, Hebrews 5, 9 and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. And there's a, it's, it's again, it's not temporary salvation. Hey, one other passage of scripture, and um, my notes are failing me and my memory is failing me, uh, but where it talks about the imperishable seed. Do you, do you have that off the top of your head no. or not? But, yeah. you know, okay, even if we don't know the you, address. You stumped me. Okay, I'm stumped too. But, you know, that pa- the passage about the imperable, imperishable yes. seed. Yeah, we need and, to look into that okay, and, yeah, we'll, and we'll, we'll, bring back from we'll put the that text in the, in the show notes. next uh, time. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, but uh, you can't lose what's imperishable. There's, it's uh, That's an oxymoron. It's, it's right. imperishable, but it's, per- you know, how does it perish? How does something imperishable perish? So. So it's it's an imperishable. You can't you know, lose, and that's, that's what we're arguing for. And and when I use argue, I, I mean in the most loving sense, not yeah, not, not a fight argument, but a, but a contending for the faith. And so you know, again, going back to the story of my father in the library, they're saying you know on this side of my library is all these guys that say you can lose your salvation. On this side is guys that can't. Well, they can't logically both be right, even though they can both be good teachers and both be good men and right. both love Jesus deeply and can build tremendous churches, but they can't both be right. And, and I, I, you know, I think in scripture, we're supposed to wrestle with what is the right interpretation of scripture and what is not. And I, and I hope some of the things, what we're saying today is they, they, they can't be both right. And so we're saying, here's some scriptures that say this side of the library is correct. And I hope we have done a halfway decent job of speaking to some of the reasons why you might believe that. And yet, fuller context of saying that that's not an accurate interpretation, whereas now we're looking at these these other passages. And you're right, we could go into another hundred scriptures that would talk about the imperishable, eternal nature of the seed of God that dwells within us. And that's why, in reality, both of us have have have, have been, been looking at the Word of God and come to these conclusions prayerfully holy spirit filled and we're always open to yes you know if somebody could open the scripture and say you know you totally missed it here there or that i'm wide open to that and i have been in a lot of those uh seasons with other men and women of god who we were contending with each other for the faith i spent most of my life on the other side arguing against people that would believe in the security of their salvation um, arguing like no, you you know that's going to lead you to lasciviousness and right and so, but but I I believe I've come to 
um, and I'll, cl- I'll close with this. Then feel free to any closing comments you might have. But but the, when I think of the new covenant of Christ, which is 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 the terminology for the salvation that you've been speaking of here in the last two episodes, I believe it's unconditional, um, and I believe it's irrevocable, and I believe it's gracious. Now there are some covenants that were conditional, were revocable, and were works based. Although grace attached itself to those works, uh, so you know, and those were the covenants. If you do this, then I will do this. Uh, if you build the ark, then I'll, you know, and so there, those are the conditional and they're reversible. If you don't do them, right. th- then, then I won't do that. And so that's, that's really where this library argument is, is, is salvation conditional? Is it revocable? And is it by your continuing work, working out your salvation? And then, yes, of course there's work out your salvation with fear and trembling, but it doesn't mean do works to try to make sure you're maintaining your salvation. Or is the new covenant that we're talking about, uh, that's mentioned quite often in Hebrews and other passages, and, are, and is promised through Christ Jesus, is it unconditional? I, I say yes, it's irrevocable. The, the last 10 verses we just read speak to the irrevocable nature of it, and it's gracious. It's not, uh, and begun, begun by the spirit of grace, it has to continue in that spirit of grace. I'm kept in his hand, the, this, this, I can't be pulled away from his hand. Uh, because of the gracious nature of this irrevocable, unconditional covenant that God has for us. Yeah, before I just give my mm-hmm. quick closing thoughts, you know, when you say salvation <clears throat> isn't conditional, you know, we're talking about on the other side of regeneration. Right. That so obviously there is a condition, right? Yeah. If we reject Christ, yeah. we, we don't. We're not saved. But yeah. we're talking about people who are truly saved. If you're truly saved and sealed, mm-hmm. if you are truly reborn in Christ, right. that's where we would say it's, good point it's, to clarify. it's, it's yeah. un it's unconditional. Right. That it's God is doing the saving at that point, um, and it's it's really not up to us to decide who are sheep and goats, weeds and tares. Yeah. That's between them and God. Mm-hmm. But we do have, to, and I would say this last thing, and I'm going to give a quick scripture. Um, that doesn't mean we don't preach responsibility right. and we don't preach spurring people on like the, the apostle Paul and the author of Hebrews does to the church, you know, because you have the salvation, live this way, follow Christ, hold fast to your, to your faith. I won't give a dissertation here, but I would encourage any person who really wants to understand this to read the 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 eighth chapter of Romans and 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 read it from the first verse all the way to the last verse. It talks about the the losing of condemnation because we are now in Christ. We mm-hmm. have been saved like Noah the people in Noah's Ark. They were saved by the promise of God through the salvation of God. And it talks about there being no condemnation in Christ. And I don't have time to work through it all the way. But it, it talks about that those who are in the flesh, they can't please God. It's not talking about being fleshy or unsanctified in a point of your life as a right. Christian, having a bad day, um, falling in, you know, to a you know a season of sin. It's talking about it because it says it's impossible for those who are in the flesh to please God. They cannot. Right. And it's because they are not part of Christ. Those who walk by the Spirit are those who please God, and these are people that are spiritually reborn. And it goes through and it says that by which we call out Abba, Father. He's our Father now. Yeah. Uh, the book of uh, Ephesians indicates that those who've been adopted will never be disinherited. And it goes on and on and on. And of course, 
I wished I would have spent more time talking about this. But the final sort of hymn of Romans 8 says that being confident of this or or the NSAB would say, for I am convinced mm-hmm. that neither death nor life nor angel nor demon nor height nor depth. And then it's like, you know what? Not anything in creation yeah. will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yeah. And to me, this is the assurance of the fact that if, if in fact you are in Christ, you are a child of God, you are no longer subject to condemnation, mm-hmm. and that nothing will separate you from God. For me, a really strong study of Hebrews chapter 8 will... will uh, it, Romans. Romans, sorry. Yeah. We've been talking about Hebrews so much. Thank you for, for yeah. clarifying that. Romans chapter 8 yeah. really does solidify that 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 nothing will snatch yeah. us from his hand. So nothing. Good, it's right. just nothing in creation. We're yeah. part of creation. Right. Yeah. We can't. Our mind is part of creation. Yeah. And, our, and I think yeah. that regenerative, yeah. the the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, mm-hmm. and it means a change of mind. It doesn't mean like I said, hey Gary, let's go to Burger King, yeah. and then I said, you know what, let's go to McDonald's. It means right. a complete paradigm shift, mm-hmm. a complete change, and this is the mind of Christ imparted to us along with the imputation of righteousness i don't know i don't know how that can be undone if in fact it's genuine that's so good thank you joshua we're we're out of time but uh (laughs) if you um if you'd like you have been uh here at world challenge in our studio been preaching from Romans eight, correct? Yeah, I've been preaching through okay. the Book of Romans. Uh, so I'm either, in chapter nine or okay. chapter nine right now. All right, so it's either available now or soon. Uh, Worldchallenge.org. You can get the. So yeah, if you want to do that study of Romans eight that you're talking about, and if you'd like a little bit of assistance from a preacher, Josh will help lead you through uh, those passages of Scripture. Continue to check out uh, other episodes of our podcast, and also World Challenge different sermons that are on YouTube and. Uh, on our website as well. Uh, God bless you. Thanks for joining us. I hope this was an encouraging uh, two episodes and we will continue to dig deep into the Word of God in season to come. God bless you. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in the mission of World Challenge. Thank you for listening and supporting. World Challenge transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Visit us online at worldchallenge.org.